This week on Gym Ops Radio, the guys define the new ABCs of selling in the modern era. Gone are the old ways of hard selling and high pressure sales. The new kind of selling relies on relating and empathizing with customers and forging relationships at every touch point. Welcome to episode 57. This is Gym Ops Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to Gym Ops Radio. This is episode 57. My name is Brian Pritz. I'm here with Dave Thomas. We're the owners of Performance 360 in San Diego. Today we will be talking about selling. So selling is, uh, it's actually not a dirty word like a lot of people (laughs) think it is. Um, And we'll go over kind of our new ABCs of selling, um, which is a different kind of ABCs. Yeah, um, you know, I know we've talked a lot about our approach to member acquisition and growth on this podcast and a bunch of different types of um, kind of uh, formats, whether it be like, how do we get people into our funnel or how do we increase conversion percentage? And this is kind of like the overarching concepts to how we just approach the simple definition of selling. I know that in our industry, um, obviously there's a lot of owner operators in the fitness industry who are trainers and coaches first and kind of business people second. And many of them um, often struggle with the mentality around selling. I think because, you know, for, for many people, they come from like maybe working at a big box gym where, you know, you kind of roam the floor almost like a used car salesman and you had to like pitch people your services to get them to sign up. And so there's just like that's kind of the background for selling in the fitness industry. And it's gotten a little bit better over the years, but many people still kind of hold that kind of fear of being that quote, like salesman Mm -hmm. when it comes to um, pushing gym memberships. And, you know, we've always kind of viewed things a little bit differently. It's like first and foremost, really believing that you're giving somebody something that's going to help them. I think that's kind of first and foremost. And then just, you know, selling in a way that is uh, much more, you're their kind of partner in the experience. And we'll go through all these different points that take us through that. But, you know, you and I, um, I would not consider the two of us uh, to be like, quote, salespeople. Um, fun fact, I was, wasn't was fired from the only sales job I had <laughs> only because I quit before I could get fired. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's really embracing a lot of things that you probably have as a listener that you have on your side that could make you very good at selling your gym that perhaps either you're not aware of or don't know is an actual um, pro at, instead of a con that you might perceive it to be. Yeah, it's funny. I think our whole kind of mentality and system was based around how much me and you both hated traditional sales. Um, mm-hmm. And so we kind of mapped out, you know, our own, um, you know, kind of our own theory. It's obviously not something that we created out of thin air. It's, you know, built on solid principles, which we'll go over today. But um, the the ideas behind it was because we just hated how aggressive regular sales was. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about how you and I are not natural salespeople. We're, we're both also not extroverts. And, um, you know, you and I take a lot of pride in the fact that we've converted over 90% of the people who've ever tried the gym um, with within our structure of it. And so just to kind of provide some context with that, like, if you haven't listened to how we do sales, to how we do trials, like go through, listen to old episodes. Um, but essentially somebody enters our funnel, signs up for a free class, comes in, tries the free class, and then uh, with the idea to get them to join. And so when we say we've converted at 90%, that means 90% of people who've ever come in and tried a class with us uh, have become gym members. And those are across hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, and this system has been passed on to our entire staff and then uh, today, the, these days, we're seeing conversion exceeding 70, 75%. So we know that when these principles are adhered to, we do extremely well. And when we get away from them, we don't. Exactly. And, you know, I think that is a good difference that you made. Um, you know, me and you have closed over 90% of the people who have taken our trial classes. Um, and our coaches are, as a whole, are converting 70, 75, sometimes higher than that, um, which tells me a couple different things. Number one is, um, you know, the person that's doing it is definitely in control of increasing that conversion percentage. It's not 100% down to how you approach the situation and the steps that you put in place, but it does have 
um, the ability to either do better or worse based on you know your own individual input into it. Um, and then the second thing is that it the overall principles can be passed to somebody else and can be taught to somebody else uh, to achieve very good numbers um, across the board. Yeah, that's why you and I, you know, we get very frustrated when our team does poorly with conversions because it's all effort and it's all, uh, are you listening to the things that we're telling you are going to be successful? And, you know, the, when the, when we do get pushed back and it's been rare, it's like, oh, I just hate, I hate selling. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I get so annoyed by that comment because I'm like, I hate selling. Like, and I we've, hate cre- selling. we've created this because it's not selling. It's everything but selling. Like, go just be a coach follow all those principles that are the foundation for how we coach and like surprise, surprise, they're the same foundation for what make an effective salesperson in that mm-hmm. setting. Um, so that's not smoke and mirrors. It's definitely not, you know, uh, pressure tactics or anything along those lines. It's just following, you know, the basic, um, you know, the basic science of what motivates people to purchase and what motivates people to want to interact with, with your brand. And, you know, like you said, we didn't come up with this. We've, we, we, we study this very closely and uh, we've put in these principles in place based on people who are smarter than us who figured this out. We just do it in a gym setting. So um, we know that it works. We've seen it to work. And it's funny, I was talking to uh, Ashley, your wife, who also works at the gym, um, the other day. And I've, something came up with sales stuff. And she's like, Brian loves telling me that he used to have a 90% <laughs> conversion rate in the gym. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, it's, uh, yeah, like we're both very proud of that. And it's like, just goes to show that like not to say that like you and I weren't good at our jobs but like anybody can do it because like I know the two of us quite well and we're not natural salespeople. we're just very passionate about the gym and we present it in a way that we think people are going to uh to share that with us yeah it's funny I do mention that a lot because (laughs) anytime she comes home after a trial and she didn't sign that trial up I'm like what are you doing Like it's literally the easiest thing in the world, and she's like, "I hate, you know, pushing people to, to join something." And I'm like, "You literally are not pushing people. Like they are wanting this service. All you are doing is providing it to them and then asking them to join." Um, and she's gotten much better after I give her enough crap over it. Um, but yeah, that's why I like to tell her that. Yeah, she also had a trial that didn't show up for her class when I was in there, and I was like. Oh man, I was like, do you think you did anything to like scare the trial <laughs> oh, off? <no. laughs> she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. It's really abnormal for someone to sign up for a class and then not show up. Like, <laughs> you might have done something. She was just like, what could I have done? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I might need to figure that one out. Yep. And you can just, <laughs> the wheels are turning. See the spiral out of control. <laughs> and she's like, well, wait, they wouldn't have even known it's my class. Like, yeah, I know. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> oh, poor girl. Poor girl. <laughs> It's too easy. I know. Um, well, you mentioned the science behind all that stuff. Why don't you uh, get into it and start telling us about that science? Yeah. So obviously, like kind of the old selling is, um, well, let me take a quick step back. So a lot of this is based on if you've never kind of dived, dove um, into Daniel Pink's work. Uh, he's an author, a researcher who's just very good at communicating like what motivates people. Uh, his He's got a really good book called Drive and it's it's something like the surprising reason behind like what motivates people to take action on things. And I'm a very big fan of it. And it talks about, um, you know, his ABC. So these are taken directly from that. These are not points that we came up with. Um, And he makes the really good analogy. And like the old ABCs was kind of like the eighties wall street stuff of just like always be closing. Um, Every single conversation you're having is always geared towards like kind of that hard sell and getting people into that product or service that you want with ABC standing for always be closing. And so he proposes a new ABCs where it's still the ABC model, but instead of always be closing, it's attunement, buoyancy, and clarity. Far less catchy than always be closing, um, but three really good principles that I happen to believe in wholeheartedly and uh, really drive a lot of the way that we kind of quote sell at the gym and uh, position our coaches to be successful in communicating around the sales process. So none of it based on pushiness and it's really kind of a more empathetic driven sales model than it is persuasion based. So getting right into that, that first one being attunement. So attunement basically just meaning um, 
you know, how in tune are you with the other person that you're talking to? And he makes the really good analogy of like, you know, those old fashioned dial radios where you're kind of moving the dial along and you have to like kind of tweak it till you hit that like perfect frequency and that Mm. sound is kind of coming through clearly. Um, And that's a really good way to think about communicating with someone in a sales process. So, um, you know, you're kind of just the beginning of that conversation. You're really feeling that person out and seeing just what type of buyer are they? Uh, What is their motivation? You know, rather than you just kind of launching into a spiel, you're kind of trying to find that connection and find that frequency so that you can kind of customize that. But you got to first know kind of why they're there and what they're there for. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, within the gym setting, this is such an easy thing to do. And I think one of the biggest problems that people have is they don't follow this. They'll have their walkthrough and their kind of coaching style and it stays the exact same for every person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to trials and somebody new trying out the gym, it's so easy just to ask them, you know, what their background is, what they're here for. Uh, one little question about why they're in that class with you right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can change a lot of the words that you use, the tone that you use, and how to present that walkthrough or present any information that you're giving to them about that class that hits directly home with that individual person without sacrificing anything else to anybody else in the class. Yeah, you know, we've talked about, you know, that, that one magic question that drives so much of our conversion success at the very beginning is like, are you casually checking us out or are you, are you interested in joining here? Mm-hmm. Um, and that just, that helps so much because if the, you know, first off, we don't care about what they say. Like, it's like, we're still going to deliver the same type of like great customer care regardless of what they say. So it's not to say if they're like, oh, I'm just shopping around where you're like, okay, fuck it. I don't care. It's like, I am still, if somebody were to say that to me, my approach doesn't change at all. Like right. I'm still going to position myself to coach them in a way that they could join that day. And turns out most of them do. Um, but that, that, that little question will tell you so much because if they're like, you know, I'm just kind of shopping around, then you want to at least like kind of mimic that with your sales. So the last thing you want to do is get super pushy. If somebody is like, I'm just kind of shopping around, you know, but if they're like, Oh yeah, you know, I've researched you online. Like I have two friends that go here. Like I'm, I'm super interested in joining. Well, then you can go into that, like much more confident that they're going to become members and you can be a little bit more presumptive with your language than opposed to somebody who's a little more uninformed on your brand and is really truly kind of feeling you out for the first time. Yeah. You mentioned that, that person that comes in and they, they say that they're shopping around um, because we get that a lot. There's a lot of gyms in the area. People come in. It's a very easy way for somebody to not be committal to to mm-hmm. what they're doing there. Um, and they may be super interested, but they're not going to tell you they're super interested. Um, and so they say, we're, you know, I'm just shopping around. I'm checking out other gyms. Um, and your approach does change in that situation and the, and not the experience that you give them, but just how you talk to them. And one of the things I've noticed is that by mimicking what they're saying to me back is, um, very persuasive in the sense of like, at the end of the class, mm-hmm. reaffirming, I know you're just checking out, um, mm-hmm. the gym mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. check you're shopping around, go check out those other gyms after you test all those out, find the right fit for you. Like, let us know if that's us. Um, and that kind of reaffirms that number one, you're listening to them. Number two, that, um, you're not just trying to get them to join if it's not the right fit for them. It's saying, Hey, I understand where you are in this process. And I recommend that you go check out other gyms. And I think that you'll find that we're the best and that you'll come back to us. And you would just be so surprised at how effective that is when somebody's like, it's almost that reverse psychology of like, Oh, you're not making me do this. Like now I kind of want to do it. Right. Um, and it's just like, it's that, you know, desperation is a stinky cologne type thing. Like if you totally like really, truly, and totally respect that that person is just shopping, you like so many more people are going to remember that and want to come back and join versus those who like you, they tell you that and you just steamroll right past it. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned like a really good point about how you mimic that behavior. You repeat that back to them at, at, you know, at the end of their workout or during their workout about their goals, and there's studies that show the effect, the effectiveness of that mimicking. Um, there's one study that they uh, they tracked servers and the tips that they made, and the servers who repeated the order exactly word for word as the customers uh, recited it, they received 70% bigger tips than um, servers who even just paraphrased it. Really? So it's like 
people that is you know that is attunement the def you know that that's the lockstep and definition of it of just being in tune with the other person and really truly listening and um you know the same can be said for if somebody comes in and tries the gym and uh you know um listen you know really listen when they're talking um the beginning when they come in they try your class or whatever the setting is that you have that is not your time to drone on and on about the gym. That's your time to keep your mouth shut and to listen to their needs, to why they're in there, making little mental notes so that throughout the course of the class or the conversation, you can then circle back to those pain points that they have and really address them in a way that's that's super meaningful and, and one that comes from the position of, of empathy and you're helping them solve this problem. You're not just jamming this service down their throat. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd be surprised at how many people are just initially attracted to... Um, a coach or a, a gym that just listens to their needs and then tries to provide their service based around what they need um, and not just jam your own physical philosophies down their throat. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then there's, you know, one of the biggest aspects that I think holds up a lot of people from embracing their skills with sales is uh, their personality type. And, you know, the, the classic salesperson that we think of is this just like really gregarious person, you know, walks into a room, everybody kind of has their eyes on them, this big time extrovert. And there's many studies that show that extroverts actually do worse at sales uh, than what's called ambiverts. And those are kind of people that sit in between introverts and extroverts. They have a little bit of a tendency to be um, an extrovert in some situations, an introvert in the others. And I loved coming across this term because it, it finally answered like, Oh, this is what I am. Yeah. Um, because there's, you know, there's certain settings where I'm like super, super outgoing. And then there's other settings where I'm like a wallflower. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would really encourage you, if you're listening, to dive into a little bit of that research because um, I can tell you that if you started a gym, you're not an introvert. Um, but you might not be this like super outgoing extrovert. And that actually plays very favorably to you because people, um, they have a natural inclination to not trust the salespeople. And when you're an extrovert in that sales role, a lot of the times you can kind of talk too much. You can stumble over your words. You don't really realizing that you're kind of um, manhandling the situation because, you know, you believe so much in the service and you're just so excited to tell that person all about these things and extroverts have a tendency to really not listen in those um, in those situations so I would definitely not be discouraged if you think you don't have this kind of like loud booming personality because that's actually quite a bit in your favor yeah and if you are somebody with that loud personality maybe tone that down and take a step back and say am I listening to my customer enough and understanding what they're looking for yeah, and I don't know that we've ever had a coach who's like your classic intro or extrovert, like really do all that well in conversion. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's like the really sneaky, really quiet people um, who are just incredibly effective at that conversion because of this very first point that we're talking about. Um, introverts, ambiverts, are def they, they have a, um, a much easier way being in tune with somebody in a sales setting versus an extrovert. Hmm. Very cool. Um, okay, so we just went through attunement. Next up is B. So A, B, B is for buoyancy. And I really like this one because um, buoyancy is essentially just all about uh, what's just referred to as staying afloat during the natural rejection process. And this is such a big one. It's like so many times I'll read psychology books or sales books or branding books or some anything that pertains to like the non-fitness side of being successful at a gym and every time I do, I'm always blown away about like what a perfect business to be in when it comes to like being able to deliver across all these things. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, think about what other people go through with the sales process of like, um, you know, say you're selling a product, like say you, you're, you sell TVs or something like you get rejected on the sale. There's really no like coming back from that. But it's like we have this system in place where like people are trying gyms and, you know, there's such easy ways to continue to stay in touch with people after they've tried the class. Um, you know, the overwhelming amount of people are going to reject you the very first time they interact with your brand. And what I mean by that is like taken with our context, somebody goes on the website and they enter into our funnel, they have an opportunity to join immediately. Mm -hmm. Most people don't do that. So, so that is a rejection. 
we have the ability to obviously communicate with people because we want to, quote, you know, like stay afloat during that whole process. We want to keep communicating with them. We want to keep that line of communication open so that, you know, we know that, you know, touch points maybe two, three, and four, they're much more likely to come in, try a class, join the gym, et cetera. What do they say is, um, you know, the average sales process takes seven touch points Mm -hmm. before somebody gives you a yes. So, you know, if you look at it that way, um, you know, you're going through six variations of a no before you finally get to that yes. Yeah. And we've, uh, you know, it's like, it's why we tell coaches like, yes, it's, it's ideal to get somebody to sign up right in their trial class. But like, if they don't, it, it's not a major, it's not a failure, you know, so long as you're delivering a great experience with this person and you're paying attention to them and all the stuff we talk about learning names, addressing them by name, you know, they'll probably come back around in, in a week or two or in that, that follow-up communication and decide to join if you did your job in following all, all these points. So it just speaks to that point of like, don't sink yourself. Like if someone comes in and you're just like, they're like, oh, I'm just casually trying the gym and you just totally neglect them. Or maybe they're like the type of person that maybe you don't vibe with and you wear that on your sleeve. Like that that's just shooting a giant hole in the boat and having it sink. Like the whole point is just keep yourself afloat. Continue to give yourself that opportunity to have these people convert after a few touch points with your brand. Yeah, I mean we you know, we've talked about those people that come in and they say that they're shopping around. Um, you know, that like I said earlier, that's an easy way for them to give you a rejection without like straight up having to say, no, I'm not interested. You know, a lot of those people, they say I'm shopping around so that at the end of class, when they know that somebody's going to ask them if they want to join, they say, yeah, I'm going to check out those gyms and then make a decision. So it's like an easy way to position themselves to give you a no without feeling bad about it. Um, And if you, if that person is shopping around, as they say, and they do check out other gyms, um, they're probably going to get a good workout at every gym that they try. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think a fitness facility is in the business of giving bad workouts anywhere. So they'll probably get a good workout everywhere. What the, what's going to make that difference is how they were treated, if they were listened to, and if it was a positive experience and they had fun there. Um, so those are the things that you can control. Um, everything else is kind of out of your control. So if you just focus on those few things, you'll find a lot of those people, if they do check out other gyms or if they don't, they'll eventually come back to you because they had a good experience. I hope everybody was really listening to that because you make such a good point and that gyms are not in the business of delivering bad workouts. Like we should say that every single podcast (laughs) because so many places, the fallacy of thinking that your workout is, is better than anywhere else would be such a false sense of confidence to carry with you in a market to where ultimately people want to move sweat and get results. And I would highly doubt that you have some sort of proprietary formula that achieves that better than your neighbors or the gym down the road or the gym in the other town. And so a foundational tenet of this whole podcast is the way that you differentiate yourself is not necessarily with your fitness. It's with the hospitality aspect of the business. And, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, you're delivering like fresh towels to people's workout zones, (laughs) but it's like, it's just understanding that element of like constantly working for, um, working for that engagement and working for that conversion and that retention. Um, It's just, it's such a good point. And, you know, everybody knows that gym or business that, you know, after the workout or after the demo, whatever your business it is, you know, let's go into the back office and talk um, where they bring you in and you're basically like trapped in that back room. (laughs) Like the one we have now. Well, we have that, but that's not for (laughs) trials. Yeah, (laughs) That's not for trying to get people to sign up. Um, but it's like, you might get, you know, one out of 10 or even if it's five out of 10 that you get to join through that experience, like you're creating such a negative experience right away that it's like, those people probably don't last very long. Mm -hmm. And if they don't join, they're never coming back. Once you bring them in the room and they get out of that room without signing up, like they're not coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the majority of our members do not join right on the spot Mm -hmm. so it just shows that like having the ability to provide a good experience and let them come around to their 
own conclusion at the time that they're ready is super powerful. Yeah, and you you bring up another good point. You talk about positivity and staying out of things that are negative, um, and that's one of the really good. Uh, that's one of the really more important points of buoyancy and how how to stay afloat during this whole process. Um, and there's uh, something called the positivity ratio, and so they've actually done studies on what is uh, what what is the golden ratio for. Um, the ideal amount of happiness for people to flourish in a situation. And so it's like things that cause negativity ratios are like, um, let's, let's talk about it in the form of a gym setting. So like a coach coming in and like being rude to you when you come in, uh, forgetting your name two or three times in class, um, just have, having a sour day and they're delivering a walkthrough and they're just very standoffish to the class. And they just kind of have that vibe that is all around just kind of negative. You're a little bit hesitant to approach that person. You know, each one of those would count as like a one for a negativity ratio. Positivity ratio, those are things like all the opposites of that, right? Every time you refer to somebody by that by name, you know, that person hits that endorphin rush um, you know, or that dopamine rush. You talk about like being upbeat and positive in class and just all these little positive encounters. And then you talk about, you know, leaving the gym and then uh, somebody follows up with you and they do so in a very positive format and say, hey, how was your class? And they, they respond back and have a question. And then that person gets back to them within 24 hours with an actual response. You know, you, you're you're creating all of these um, positive interactions that is weighed against negative interactions. And so the studies have shown that a three to one positive to negative ratio is going to get you where you need to be to be successful. So it doesn't necessarily mean like you have to be extremely perfect in all aspects. We'll get to this in a little bit. Having a little bit of human flaw is actually a bit of an advantage, but it goes to show that you need to be overwhelmingly positive with all these things. And then within the context of this this buoyancy point, staying afloat throughout it all, understanding there's so many touch points that the person has, uh, talking to them before they come in, in the class, after they come in, you know, via email, all sorts of different ways that you can be stacking the odds in your favor of these positivity ratios. When you say that three to one, does that mean that you could essentially be overly positive? Yes, it and does mean a, you could be overly bad. positive. It does. Okay. Um, it's like the type of thing like too much too much sugar kind of turns you off. And mm-hmm. um, you know, the last thing we want to be doing is discouraging people from being nice because I don't want it to come across that way. But you know, maybe if you go too far, it's like fake. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll speak n equals one. The only example I can give being myself. Um, and we talked about like we've been extremely successful in conversions for a gym setting and never nowhere in my approach has ever been like, uh, um, I'm going to like kill this person with kindness. It's just like, I'm, I'm going to deliver this in a way that I know you want because you've told me this and I've listened to it and I'm going to give you the facts and, uh, the answers I know are going to be what you want to hear because they're truthful and you've told me and you say you want to, get stronger and great, here's how you're going to get stronger. And it's just like, you know, you don't, uh, you don't have to be this like bright and shiny salesperson who's always smiling and always telling people how great they are in order to get them to come into your gym because that can, that can come off as phony and that can come off as fake. And it's a super, super fine line between being authentic and having a couple blemishes um, and being somebody that like, okay, this is a real experience. I can trust this person versus going too far and just being a dick. Yeah, all of this, all of this discussion just constantly brings me back to like the when you need to buy a new car, lease a new car Mm -hmm. and just how that whole process is just so terrible. Um, I think you just went through this. I've been through it a few times. Um, and it's just like one thing popped out where, you know, one of the first things one of the guys said was like, we sat down and I already knew the car. I knew we had talked about the price. I sat down and he was like, he's like, now, Brian, you, I know you're, a, you know, <laughs> I forget already exa- turned off. Yeah. I, I forgot exactly <laughs> what he said, but he's like, I know you're the type of guy that does this. And like, you know, you're smart for that. And I'm like, ugh. Like, yeah. Fuck off. That's what like, I mean. Like that was that's technically a positive way of trying to communicate to me, but it's like it's so 
not authentic at all. Right. It's like immediately turned off and immediately wanted to like punch this guy in the stomach. Yeah, it's like a good example of this in the sales context is like I was joking with one of our friends recently and they were talking about when they joined the gym and he was like, yeah, you know, I came in, tried a class and like I kind of thought you guys were one of those places where you kind of like negotiate on the price and I, I taken your class and it was like a great workout and after the class I was going to sign up and I was like, hey, so uh, do you guys have any other discounts on what you have going on? And you were just like, nope. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll sign up. And I do that intentionally. And like I, when he said that, I was like, yes, that like that is my approach. Like I'm not going to apologize for not having discounts. Like I'm not going to then take it a step further and like convince you why the price is good. Like I'm just going to answer your question. And like I know that you've experienced it. You've taken the class. And if you have more questions for me, like I'll be happy to answer. But like no, we don't have any more discounts. Yeah. And so it's like <laughs> – that, that that I think is a very good example of just like you don't need to take it that extra step to then like sugarcoat things that don't need to be sugarcoated. Right. You could easily try and like talk your way out of that and be like, no, we don't have discounts. But if you look at the value of what you get here versus anywhere else, you know, exactly. it's like, shut up. Just be like, no, God, we exactly. don't. Th people are smart. Like they, they know what you provide them. Like you don't need to tell them all those things. If you have to be selling the value that you provide – then I think you're you're in a tough spot. That should be self-evident with the experience that you're providing. Right. Um, okay, so we've been through two points. We've been through attunement and buoyancy. So A, B, now it's time for C, which is clarity. And this is obviously pretty self-explanatory. Um, making the sales process just clear, just clear and easy. And one of the ways that is um, very effective in doing that is creating frames. So basically like framing the experience in a way that's going to be processed easily by potential members in a way that's going to lead them down into a natural conversion. And so there's many ways that we can frame the experience. The first of these is what's called a less frame. And I love this because it's just like do less, <laughs> just less frame. Less frame. Um, yeah. And so um, study after study shows that people are much more decisive when there are fewer choices. That's called the paradox of choice. The more choice we give people, the more confused and the more intimidated they will be to make a choice. Because if I have a menu of 10 things to select and I have to pick one, like, oh, God, I could pick the wrong one, you know? Mm -hmm. But if I have a menu of two or three things to cho to select, I feel pretty good that one of the that this is the right move. And if it's not, I can easily just switch to one of the other two. And I don't have to do this, like, deep dive into what is being offered. Um, and so, you know, we've always we've always tried to make it very minimalist with what you can join on our on our with our gym as far as like different options um you know i would love to be more minimalist but we've kind of shown that that sweet spot for us is kind of three membership choices um, and then we have the option to do a contract but breaking it down very simple we give people kind of three choices do you want to do unlimited do you want to do three a week or do you want to do two two a week um and that's we find that to be pretty effective versus a lot of different like do you want to do a punch card do you want to do you know all sorts of different things um, that's kind of what we found to be effective and we we continuously exper experiment with that um, but we just want to make everything like a yes or no not like a oh well I need to think about which option and then do I want to say yes or no yeah I mean that's a really good point and a lot of that um, is leading people to help them with that decision. So, you know, yes, we have three options. People are probably um, not exactly sure, like, oh, am I going to come three times a week? Am I going to come unlimited? Am I going to come two times a week? And so the easy way to do that is just lead them into an option. Yeah, prescriptive selling. If you've listened to what they've told you so far, which you should be, then you at least have an idea of what's going on and what would be most beneficial for them. Mm -hmm. um, so a good example is if somebody comes in, uh, you know, I'm new to this type of training at the end, you get, uh, you talk to them and be like, I know you're new to this style of training. So like, mm -hmm. let's start you out with two times a week. If you decide that, you know, your body's handling it well, you're recovering well, and you want to get in here more, we can easily upgrade you. Um, but let's start out at that two times per week and see how it goes. And then it's like, that's a yes or no. That's not, uh, now I have to make a choice on something else. Yep. That's an excellent, excellent point. And that is, if you, if you take away one thing from this podcast, take the prescriptive selling model from it, yep. like right off the bat, 
hey, here's what I recommend that you do, three per week. And the reason why I'm so confident in this is because three a week, you're still going to get great results, but you don't feel that overwhelming desire like you have to come into the gym every day because you don't. And people love to hear that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the truth. And that way you're not starting them out in like the high-priced deluxe version. So they very clearly can see that you're just not about getting as much money from them as possible and you're truly about giving them the membership that works best for them. Um, that That's another tactic that I used quite a bit is I would always make my recommendation to somebody after the class because if it's like, hey, so you want to join? Like what are you trying to do today? That's where I feel like coaches lose confidence and they're not quite sure what to do. Right. Um, it's such an easy way to just be like, okay, so you know, if you were to decide to join, this is what I would definitely recommend for you, all the things I just said. Um, and you know, if you want to think it over, excellent. Uh, whenever you want to decide, like just keep in mind this is this is the option that I recommend for mm-hmm. you. So that way they're not going home and like trying to figure out which one they do. It's like they they see their they see their lane. They just need to decide if they want to get into it. And it's a much easier decision for them as opposed to having to try to figure out two things at once. Yeah. And one of the biggest mistakes I see coaches do is they'll ask like, Okay, what do you want to do? And exactly. that those those are very rarely converted into a, a member, um, either that day or like soon after because right then all that pressure is on them. Which am I going to choose? Is it going to be the right option? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, let me, let me choose for you because I know best, um, as you know, a fitness coach and, and your coach. You don't go into the dentist office and the dentist isn't like, (laughs) what do you want to do today? You know, it's like, it's the same thing. Um, you know, it's like, you're a health professional, like make a recommendation and make it confidently. Well, Mr. Dentist, there would be (laughs) nothing more that I would like to do than for you to drill my teeth right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good point. Um, all right. So second frame is the experience frame. So, uh, this is another thing that's kind of been proven by psychology. People are much more apt to buy something that they can put into an experience than they are an actual product. So using like the car, it's why a lot of car salesmen will just like on the high end of the high, high-end car salesmen, like, they'll sell that lifestyle. They'll sell that experience. They're not selling you the actual, like, engine model of a Porsche. Um, luckily, we are in a business where it is all experience, right? Right. So we don't have to, like, experientialize something that is an experience in and of itself. So as fitness providers, we're really off on the right foot as far as being able to frame this in a way that um, that people will want to purchase it. But, you know, Understand that, you know, your gym and your brand tell a story. We've done podcasts on branding before. Um, Making sure that you're communicating not like the technical aspects of what the training will be like, but telling the story of what your gym stands for. And, you know, for us, it's become more. We talk about that all the time. Um, You know, using fitness to enhance your daily life, not necessarily to be a competitive athlete. And so, there's many different ways that you, you can put people in the experience of the gym before they get to the gym on your website and your branding so that when they actually come into the gym and experience it, that's like the, the cherry on top. That's not, they're not experiencing it for the first time because they've done so in a way um, outside of the gym that kind of prepares them for that. Yeah. And, you know, we go back to authenticity. You know, if you're promoting something on your website, that's clearly not what the actual experience is like. And then people come in and that coach is not representing what they saw on the website or what you've promoted, then they're immediately going to think you're a fraud and that it's not, you you know, you're, you're bullshitting them. So it's really Mm -hmm. important to align both your outward facing marketing, your website, all of that communication to what your coaches are doing inside the gym. And if those two can align, you'll have a much better experience with those people coming in. Yeah, Absolutely. And so uh, next frame is the label frame. So this is one that's actually like really interesting to me. Packaging matters. How you package stuff, how you label it, how you phrase it, it all matters. Um, So one kind of really cool study that they did is um, there's something called like the prisoner's dilemma that they study a lot in psychology. And it's basically revolves around like, you know, let's say there's two people being investigated for a crime. If neither of them rat on the other, then they both walk free. But if one person rats on the other one, then one gets out free and the other one's like completely screwed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how much trust do you have in the other person that they're not going to rat you out? Are you going to just like double down on it and just not give in so that you both walk out of there free? And so they found when they ran the prisoner's dilemma, they found when they called it the Wall Street game, 
and it was the exact same type of scenario mm -hmm. that only 33% of people held true and didn't rat out their partner. But when it was called the community game, that doubled, and 66% oh. of people didn't rat on their partner. It was the same thing, but the objective was different. When it was labeled as like greedy Wall Street game, people had more nefarious intentions, and when it was labeled community game, we're all in this together, people uh, were much more united behind that common cause. And the exact same type of rules, exact same type of game, but two completely different outcomes. And so for me, I immediately just go to the initial success of our gym being very similar in training to a lot of different options out there, but we just packaged it and labeled it completely differently. And we've talked about it a lot, but you know, we were never about like the bloody hands, the cut shins, the puking, even now, you know, it's like, we don't do, you know, we're an independent gym. We're not a CrossFit gym. We don't do the CrossFit games. Like we, we don't do any of those things that some people absolutely love, but we just don't believe that they're, good labels for our packaging as far as how our branding goes. Um, so we stay away from that stuff because we want to label what we do in a way that's framed much more positively to our demographic, which is just everyday men and women. Exactly. And, you know, you mentioned something, there are people that are into that. And, you know, I, I really want everybody to realize your goal is not to get 100% of the market. Your goal is to find your niche, find your customer base that aligns with your brand and market the shit out of it to them so that they're attracted to your brand. Um, you know, like you said, the bloody hands, the cut shins, the puking, that is not us. We don't want people that are attracted to that. So we let them go elsewhere and we focus on what type of person fits our brand. And then a little more modernized, you know, the move now is you know, all about kind of calorie burn and how many calories can you burn in a workout. That's kind of the new, in my opinion, like the new bloody shins right. with like what we're seeing with Orange Theory at 45. And so we are, we label hard against that. We, we will never make a claim on how many calories you're going to burn in a workout that will never be a part of our labeling and our packaging. We want people to come in under different pretenses see on their watch that they're actually burning a ton of calories and they're like, oh, wow, like this just blew me away. Like I came in here for like strength and conditioning and I got that, but I also had this kind of caloric output. Like I was not expecting that at all. That's very different than coming in under the promise of like, we are going to smoke you to the tune of 600 calories every workout. <laughs> and so how you label and how you package absolutely matters and how you're framing it, how you want people to perceive the brand and to sell it. So if you are making those claims um, on, on any sort of any sort of like brand claims or any sort of um, labeling that you choose, like just make sure that you're doing so very strategically and that the experience backs it up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for more frames. <laughs> yeah, two more. Uh, blemish frame. So my personal favorite. Love this. Didn't even really know this was a thing. And then I realized that that was another effective point of sales um, that I was using. And adding negatives to accentuate your positives. And so it's like one of the things I would always do, and I use this, the example of like the one word answer, no for discounts. Um, you know, it's like one thing I would do when people would ask about like, we have the discount option for the six or 12 months, you know, they'd ask about that. And I would always say like, yeah, you know, it's a great option. Um, uh, gets you a lower price point, but I do want you to keep in mind that like you're locked into that. So like, don't expect that five months down the road, you know, you're going to want to ask out of that. Like, we're not going to let you. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing you should just be aware of. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, I got it. Like make, makes total sense. So it's like, you wouldn't want to just be like, yes, awesome option. Like you should totally do it. There's no downside. It's all 100% upside for you. Like I like to make people consider what is not great about it because it allows me to be so much more truthful in what is great about it. And if you're selling that as something that then they get into when they're not 100% committed and they do want to get out of that at some point, then that just, that doesn't, that's not a positive for the gym or for that person. Mm -hmm. So you just created a, mis a mismatch by trying to oversell and be overly positive. Yeah. And another one is like our first location. Well, we only have one location that has showers now, but um, that's also not something that I would ever 
run from, and I would use that to accentuate the positives. You know, somebody would come in for a 6 a.m. class and ask about showers, and it's like, you know, we don't have showers, um, so you, you'd probably want to consider your timing on that, either coming to a different time class. Um, but the good news is that, you know, our workouts are very short and efficient. You're going to be in and out of here in X amount of time, so uh, I think you'd have no problem going back home and showering, but, like, you would you would want to consider that. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, it was really cool to kind of read up about that and see that, you know, adding a little dose of a little dose of dirt can just make the rest of it look that much cleaner. Um, and, you know, we've talked a few different times on this about how, like, you try to just be perfect and that 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 turns people off on a deep psycho psychological level, because number one, we all call bullshit on things that claim to be perfect naturally. Um, and we don't like things that are perfect as humans. We like to see um we like to see authenticity. We like to, we're attracted to people who own their flaws. And so there's nothing wrong with that as a business to admitting to like, you know, hey, just, just consider this as part of your decision as well, uh, but always juxtaposing that against the positives that outweigh that negative. So it's not to say you're like talking yourself out of the sale, but you're, you're highlighting the things that are negative so that they don't have to. And when, when that is the case, people are much more receptive to them. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's crazy the psychology of all of this. And like, you may not think, oh, that's deep level psychology, like that wouldn't apply to, you know, my local gym or whatever. But it's like, it, it applies to that maybe more than everything else. Um, you know, it, it is such an important aspect of everything gym related that this stuff needs to be taken so seriously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's aspects of our training that, that we don't do, right? And that's what kind of separates us from a fitness perspective. Um, you know, we'll have people ask about, you know, kind of back in the day when we were a little bit more closely accidentally branded with CrossFit, you know, they would ask us certain stuff about like, um, you know, like kipping pull-ups and like, you know, certain gymnastics moves that we don't do that CrossFit offers and, you know, never being like, uh, trying to sort of explain in a way that we might do them. It's just like, no, you know, we don't do those, um, so, if, you know, if you're looking for that, you're, you're probably going to be disappointed here, but we do a ton of squats and deadlifts. We do a ton of muscle building. So I think you'll find this is a bit more favorable, but I do want you to know that like we, we don't do any gymnastics work here. And, like I've had that conversation many times and people will just be like, oh, that make that makes total sense. Like, yeah, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Or it's like explaining, you know, if that is important to you, we might not be the best fit. And then exactly. they'll think, how important is that? Oh, that's just one thing. Like maybe that's not so important. Very well said. Very well said. Re rephrasing it in a way that they kind of come to their own conclusion on that being not as important as they thought. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm a big, big, big fan of that one. Blemished frame, um, adding a little bit of imperfection to it. And then the final one is just the potential frame. So again, this is one of those things where we're like, how great is it to be in the business of helping people with health and wellness, uh, the potential frame is just framing things in a way of like, where could this take you? You know, when you're, if you're trying to sell, um, you know, a product that's going to be very difficult, but if you're trying to sell like a service that you can very easily kind of put people in that experience. Um, so that's a little bit more of just like perhaps your website or telling your gym story. Um, honestly, something like as simple as before and afters, like we've never really gone down before and afters, but they are highly effective. Mm -hmm. um, just allowing people to see the potential of where that could take them. And um, kind of a more practical way to think about that is like if you're actually talking to a prospect and, you know, let's say that somebody is like talking to you and they're a little bit intimidated, they're a beginner of just like, I've never used barbells and like everybody in this class is kind of looks super advanced and maybe this isn't for me, you know, immediately just framing it from the aspect of potential and saying, you know, so keep in mind, most people started out exactly like you are now. And that is true for our gym. We get a ton of first timers. So like when you're looking around the room, these are all people that joined in a state exactly where you are. So you're not alone in it. And you can also kind of see just how quickly you'll be able to pick up on a lot of these movements because it's right, it's right in front of you. Um, and that can be unbelievably effective for helping, you know, those folks that are a little bit more apprehensive. Yeah, that's a really good point. We get a lot of comments like that, like, oh, everybody's so fit. I don't know if I belong here. And it's like, well, that's the purpose of being here. And that is a visual example of what you can get to by experiencing this. Yeah. And we've all heard the, like, I need to get in shape before coming to the gym objection before. 
Um, and, you know, framing it from a potential aspect, like, do you want to be three more months behind the ball with that? Or like, do you want to get in here now and be three months of progress towards this stuff already? Yeah. Um, so very helpful on the end of that. Yeah. Good point. Um, okay. So recapping today's episode. So we talked about different kind of ABCs rather than always be closing. We talked about attunement, buoyancy, and clarity. Uh, attunement being just just flexibility with understanding people, leading with empathy and understanding with what they're after, making sure that you're not steamrolling the conversation and you're truly basing it on uh, partnership and listening rather than persuasion. B being buoyancy, so staying afloat, understanding that rejection is a natural part of this, but giving yourself opportunity to keep a positive connection with somebody, always making sure positive interactions outweigh negative interactions and really hunting for ways to deliver those positive interactions throughout the whole sales process. And then C for clarity. So a way to provide a clear line of action for decision-making. The most effective way to do that is in the form of frames. Talked about the less frame, less choices, the better. We talked about the experience frame, so putting people in the actual experience of the service. The label frame, how can your packaging and your labeling in the gym, how can your branding and the story that you tell differentiate you from other folks? We talked about the blemished frame, so adding just a a dash of um, what maybe might not be so great about your gym, peppered in with obviously much more positive things about it is going to get people to view you as much more authentic authentic and they're going to trust you much more and then finally the potential frame so not how does this impact you now but what will this do for you in three months if you stick with this so a lot of different strategies in place selling does not need to be this big scary beast take it from two guys who uh, are not good or natural salesmen we've done quite well with this over the years and we've even proven it with over probably 30 coaches over the last 10 years who've all done quite well with this strategy as well. I have to drop in uh, something that nobody cares about, but um, (laughs) talking about frames reminds me of uh, our buddy Adam Tibball, who uh, his screen name, his IM screen name was Sick Frames 14. And since we started talking about frames, I could not get that out of my head. So a little nugget for people that don't care at all. Yeah, that is one of the more useless things said on this podcast. Yep, just needed to get it out. (laughs) All right, we'll talk to you guys next time.